Hey everyone, I'm Devin. And I'm Asia. And welcome back to On Their Behalf. So here, obviously on On Their Behalf, we we do focus on covering cases that are underreported or center on minority groups or underrepresented victims, as you all know. Um, And today's case is like a little bit different than we normally do, but it's still worth sharing. I mean, they're all worth sharing. Yeah. um, This one centers actually on an elderly nun. And it's uh, a little bit of like, you know, talking about, the age factor we're talking about women in religion Mm. um so it's like it's not it's a little bit of a different interpretation of what we usually you know cover yeah um but i like that i love the like i think that underrepresented is underrepresented regardless of what mm -hmm. it is you know so yeah i'm excited and i yeah i actually heard about this case um because as you know asia um gabe is an artist and Mm -hmm. he's been working on a project called the glass city river wall um that's going to be the largest mural in the country and everybody should go check them out on instagram gabe's is at gabe galt and his project is at glass city river wall and this is a mural that's in toledo ohio and so back in june i went out with him to see like Toledo and you know the mural and see what was up and of course like wherever I go I don't know if you do this but wherever I go I like to like learn about yeah oh yeah murders there yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I asked everybody what their favorite local murder was um I get I get weird looks and um weird responses when I ask people that. Yeah. I'm in Tulsa right now. That's actually why I was like, let's do Tulsa Race Massacre. Our last episode was that because I was like, I'm already here and like, it would be so cool to see like, you know, what people know about it and, and, you know, what they can contribute to the story. And a lot of people were like, yeah, we know about it, but it was never like, Mm -hmm. like they didn't want to continue to talk about it. Yeah. You kind of have to like suss out if people are... Mm-hmm. interested or not interested because if you ask the wrong person it gets really weird really it quick does. it does <laughs> yeah um and i've done the whole like what's your hometown murder or like mm-hmm. what murder do you remember happening or being like in uh something you really remember as a kid or growing up and a lot of people are like uh i don't know like it i think yeah. it like weirded out and then i have to yeah realize that I, not everybody's like, like us never mind what's your favorite color yeah <laughs> Just but, kidding. What's your favorite food? Yeah. Yeah, really. Luckily, uh, I asked the right people. And Good. Nick Corbin, shout out to Nick Corbin, who is the videographer and the social media guy behind the Glass City Riverwall project, told me to check this case out, um, which is known locally as the Toledo Nun Murder. Mm. But uh, officially or formally, it's, uh, you know, today's episode is going to cover the the murder of sister Margaret Ann Paul.
So Sister Margaret Ann Paul, which is spelled P-A-H-L. So it could mm. be pal, could be Paul. I'm going to okay. say Paul. She was born on April 6, 1909. So she was an Aries. Um, she was the fourth of nine children of farmers Frank and Catherine Paul. And her family was super Catholic, and she had cousins who were nuns. So when she finished high school, she decided to be to become a sister of mercy. And Margaret's sister, biological sister, not nun sister. There's going to be a lot of sisters. Okay. In this. <laughs> um, so Margaret's biological sister, Catherine Flegel, I think, um, said, quote, she'd been called to be a nun. She just knew. Catherine also described her sister as very tidy. Quote, she was always neat like that. Everything just so. And I went to... Uh, an all-girls Catholic high school. So I feel like I know, you know, I grew up around a lot of nuns. And that, like, straight out of high school, joining a convent thing was, like, what people did. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if now that's so much of a thing. I think I read somewhere that it's, like, now it's more people in, like, the second string of life. So, like, either they lose a husband or they have had a different career and then joined the convent, which I thought was interesting. Um but yeah, I guess this is just what her and her family did, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so the other thing about nuns is like once you join the convent, usually then you continue your education and you specialize in something. So like all my teachers specialized in education and whatever um, like subject that they wanted to teach. Um, but Sister Margaret Ann trained as a nurse and later became the director of Mercy's School of Nursing which is, like, that's a pretty good job. Um, And later she worked as an administrator at St. Charles Hospital in Oregon and then Mercy Hospital in Tiffin. Um, In 1980, she was nearing 72, um, and she had moved back to Toledo, Ohio, where she was originally from, and she cared for two chapels at Mercy Hospital. But she was starting to consider retirement because she was losing her hearing. Um, But that tidiness that her sister mentioned earlier had turned into sort of meticulousness. And Mm. um, Sister Margaret Ann had like super high expectations of basically everybody. And anybody that didn't meet those expectations, um, she, I guess, didn't have like the best reputation. Um, Mm -hmm. She... In some articles I saw, they described her as wrathful, huh. which is, sounds really severe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, over her career, she had, like, a lot of complaints made about her. So okay. I don't think she was super well-liked, and I don't think um, people thought of her as, like, a nice person. Mm-hmm. But, like, what were the complaints? Was it, like, she was just really harsh? Like, or like Yeah, really harsh, really... Um, like mean and nasty if like things weren't done to her standard Mm. like a little bit of like name calling demeaning like okay you know i stuff like that Um, because i was like if she's just like you know meticulous and likes things done a certain way and people just like don't appreciate that and they don't respect that like boundary she has i'm like that doesn't make her you know i'm just i wondered about that (laughs) right well because and I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later, too. But I wondered about that because it's like 
a woman in the Catholic Church, which is, like, mm-hmm. super patriarchal, right? Yeah. It's, like, how much of her, like how much of it is like nurse ratchet and how much was like yeah. nurse ratchet just doing her job kind of, yeah. you know? And, and like, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> nurse yeah. ratchet is definitely the extreme I mean, for sure. But, <laughs> but I, that was kind of the vibe I was getting. Yeah. This, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. So just like, yeah, even, even more like, uh, kind of like personal rudeness than just okay. like drill sergeanty. Mm. So, um, and I imagine coupled this now, this is me speculating, but I imagine coupled with like, you know, extreme faith. There was a lot of like yeah. holier than thou and like God shaming or something, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but so now she was in her seventies and she hadn't really like mellowed out at all, but, uh, she lived with 20 nurses in a nursing convent. Um, and she... Yeah, like, she she hadn't mellowed out at all. Yeah. Um, her official title was sacristan, hmm. and her duties were, like, overseeing cleaning, managing schedules, and putting all the supplies for, like, communion in the chapel for daily mass. And the, the sacristy is, like, the little, like, sort of changing prep room that's, like, right off the side of the chapel that um, you're only s- supposed to go in if you're, like, working there yeah something so that was like her domain so it was good friday 1980 the friday before easter um which is like in catholicism Mm -hmm. i don't know about probably all of christianity but that's like good friday and the easter weekend is like the most holy sacred time yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um and she sister margaret ann was apparently upset because the chapel wasn't like in perfect order and to make matters worse, some priest, um, it was, like, unclear of who it was, had shortened the Good Friday service, which is, like, traditionally a really long mass. Mm-hmm. Um, the housekeeper at the time, Shirley Lucas, said that Sister Margaret Ann had wailed, why did they cheat God out of what was his? So mm-hmm. she just sounds like a delight. Yeah. <laughs> Not to um, speak ill of the dead, but... No, but it's also, oof. like, I mean, is it, like, I mean, I get I get what, what she's saying, but mm-hmm. it's, like, so extreme. It's, like... It's really extreme. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. And I, and, you know, to be fair, I don't know how much they shortened it. Like, yeah. did it go from an hour and a half to 20 minutes? And, like... Okay, yeah. Y- I don't know. Which... From what I, like, I, I mean, most... I don't know about Catholicism, but, you know, I, I just know that, like, usually Easter Sunday, Good Friday, like, you have a service almost every day. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And sometimes it's, like, two hours, three hours. I mean, like, modern day, I feel like it's just Easter, and you just go for a couple hours on Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it came down to, like, that's what the switch was, like, all of a sudden they only did it on Sunday... And for a couple hours, and she's yeah. used to, like, you know. But and, <laughs> well, cheating also, God out of time feels like, well. I know. <laughs> oh, it's well. also interesting because, like, nuns are, that's, like, the highest level you can get in the Catholic Church as a woman. But your mm-hmm. faith and your ability to, like, worship God through 
organized mass is so dependent on men that yeah. maybe she was feeling cheated out of what she really needed mm. and and then therefore was like i am prevented from like serving my god in the correct way i don't know i mean i think it's that like a it's a weird relationship yeah but i think you definitely uh made a case for her <laughs> in that situation because yeah i mean like especially being a woman at you know during that time and being a nun i'm sure like you're she was restricted in in many ways so it's like you know it, it felt like mm-hmm. I, I think she's like it's kind of like not that god is a metaphor but like you know cheating out of time that somebody else deserves i think is really just mm-hmm. her internalizing that and feeling like it was something taken away from her not so much god yeah so right i get it right and like anybody else that she you know mm-hmm. was concerned about um it is 1980 so it's not like ancient history oh my god i thought you said 1880 sorry (laughs) no 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 no. it's not that far okay no right (laughs) you're like at that time in the past and i was like it was like 40 years ago yeah i thought you said 1880 (laughs) no 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 so 1980 all right shoulder pads big hair that got it got it okay yeah yeah so she should be a little bit yeah now okay her case has gone a little bit down but whatever yeah, i get it whatever. i get it yeah. well she was she was born in 1909 so she yeah. entered the convent in like 1920 or something yeah yeah, yeah. no that she would have been 11 19 whatever 29 mm-hmm. so well she she's she was <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was in the convent during so much social change mm-hmm and they're a little bit stuck in time. A little bit. It was yeah. after Vatican II, which okay. changed and made Catholicism a lot more accessible. And that's when, like, the masses started being performed in English and not Latin. Mm, and, okay. like, it made it, it uh, much more accessible for, like, the everyday person. So yeah. there was actually big, like, radical change going on in the Catholic okay. Church while she was there. But this is post, this is 20 years post that. So Yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm learning so much. Oh, that that I just knew off the top of my head too. Wow, so really ingrained Look over at here. You sister, <laughs> you know Catholic school will do it to you. Um, so the next morning, it was April fifth, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. All right. Um, All right. which was Holy Saturday, like you were saying. Yeah. And Sister Margaret Ann woke up at five a.m. And at 6.15 a.m., she was in the dining room of the, the convent nursing hospital where she lived mm-hmm. and worked. There, she grabbed a tray, like a cafeteria tray, went to the storage closet, which was like off the cafeteria, got out some cloths, like cleaning cloths and incense, and then put the tray on a pew in the chapel. So she like walked out, went to the chapel, put it back, and then she came back to the cafeteria at 6.20 a.m. and told a worker that she was going, after breakfast, was going to go to St. Joseph Chapel. Um, at and six who's, like, this is her, not, obviously not her first account, so who knows that she did all those those things at that time, other than the guy that she took, she spoke to? Uh, this was from the accounts that, like, the investigators put oh, it together. Got it. Like, her movements throughout got the it. day. Okay. Yeah. At 6.45 a.m., she left the dining room, and everybody assumed she was going to the chapel, like she just said, to prepare Mm -hmm. for the Mass and then for Easter the next day. Um, 
And then at 8 a.m., a young nun, who I couldn't find her name, um, entered the chapel and noticed a folded linen sort of in the hallway, like, before you enter the actual, like, chapel, like, mm-hmm. uh, like loading like a for, like zone. A foyer, for, for, yeah, like a yeah. foyer or something like that. Yeah, not okay. a loading zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. A foyer. Um, so she picked up the linen, then headed into the sacristy, which is the room off the chapel, mm-hmm. um, where the priests change and all the stuff is stored, which is like, and it's like 11 feet by 17 feet. So like medium size room. Yeah. Um, inside she found sister Margaret Ann's body. Oh no. And Sister Margaret Ann was partially undressed, and she had been strangled and then stabbed in the neck and the torso 32 times. Oh, my God. And then there was a smear of blood across her forehead like she had been anointed. Oh. Which, in Catholicism, there's something called the last rite, which is when a priest comes and gives you a blessing right Mm -hmm. before you're about to die. And anoints your forehead in oil, like um, yeah. Rafiki and yeah. putting the thing over Simba. Like, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And that's what it looked like in her own blood. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That is so, so oh my God. So intense. That's so chilling. It's like not enough to just be, like, in a chapel, but, like, yeah. they have to do that. Oh, my God. And she was partially undressed. Was she raped? Yeah. It is unclear, and okay. I'll I'll get into why okay. it's unclear. All right. Um, and I yeah I don't know like how like mm-hmm. what how I don't know. Um, yeah. So the police were called, and they investigated, and they noticed that like a blind was drawn, um, and that one of the doors was unlocked. Or sorry, the back door, so that other exit not the one that the young nun came in through but the back door was locked Mm -hmm. um and then the front door that the nun had walked into was unlocked and the key was still in the door Hmm. from the inside so it seemed like somebody was was like inside of the door yeah interesting okay yeah um and now, and Sister Margaret Ann would have had the keys, but why would she put it on the inside of the door unless she had closed the door and locked it behind her and was prepping something and unlocked it for someone? Okay. That's kind of what I think. But again, not clear. Yeah. Um, they grabbed the linen, or like, not grabbed, but like, took as evidence the linen that the young nun had picked up and a quote sword like letter opener with a medallion in the hilt. Oh God. So okay. Yeah. Um when they unfolded the linen they realized it was an altar cloth, which is like a sacred cloth that you put over the altar uh to prepare for mass and that itself is even blessed and everything. Um and that had blood stains on it and they realized that sister margaret ann had been stabbed through the altar cloth so she had been strangled laid out 
put the altar cloth over her and then stabbed. Wow. Which usually we know when somebody does that, mm-hmm. they know the person. Yeah. Because they want to cover them to not mm-hmm. see what they're doing. Yeah. But also, the sta- I mean, I'm sure you say this or get into this too, but the stabbing is very personal and passionate. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. you know... Like you're, you're trying to, and as, as weird as inflicting more pain is, I don't want to say intimate because intimate feels like nice, but like, Mm -hmm. it's more of a passionate kind of like close, like you do that in a very personable, you know, relationship, I think like you had a personal relationship with this person. If you didn't care, you would just shoot him and move on. You know, you strangle, like she was already strangled. Yeah. Like why stab her her 32 times? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this hmm, was a crime of passion as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So beyond those two things, the linen and the letter opener, which are like pretty damning, pieces of evidence yeah um the police couldn't find any other physical evidence so no fingerprints no hair boot prints like nothing which is like you know yeah i don't i don't know why i don't know if it's like a testament to sister ann's sister margaret ann's fastidiousness or like Mm. if there actually wasn't i don't know yeah um and they questioned witnesses like everybody who lived in the convent all the hospital workers and that's how we have the events of her morning and from the day before where she was upset about the mass being shortened. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, there was nothing. Hmm. So on April 8, 1980, two days after Easter, St. Bernadine's home at the Fremont retreat held Sister Margaret Ann's funeral mass. Um, Father Jerome Swiatecki and Father Gerald Robinson, the Mercy Hospital chaplains, presided over the mass and called her death quote, not only blasphemous, but patently absurd. Wow. And there was a storm that day, which mourners said was unsettling because the mood was so somber and, like, such a deep sense of, like, what the hell happened. Yeah. Um, and then, for 23 years, the case was cold. What? Just nothing. Couldn't find anything. So... Didn't do anything. Yeah. But then in 2003, a woman came forward and accused multiple Toledo priests of, quote, a childhood of ritualized sex assault. And this was during that, like, wave in the early 2000s of people coming forward with their stories of molestation and -hmm. assault by priests. And then the huge surge of... um, you know, everybody realizing how much the church was covering up. Oh, yeah. So she came forward during that time and, um, you know, was accusing multiple priests. And Mm -hmm. one of the people she accused was Gerald Robinson, who was one of the guys that literally said Sister Margaret Ann's funeral mass. Wow. Oh, Um, God. Yeah. So... They investigated this woman's claims, and that went nowhere, because, you know, of course it went nowhere, which is really frustrating. Yeah. Um, 
But it did reopen Sister Margaret Ann's case because the prosecutors of the um, sexual assault case discovered that Gerald Robinson had actually been the chief suspect in Sister Margaret Ann's murder, but somehow that never came out. Wow. So they were like, this is odd. Like, Mm -hmm. and then the more and more they looked, like the more and more they realized that there was all this information in the documents that never came out and also was never acted upon. Mm -hmm. So they discovered from the initial police reports that the letter opener with the medallion that Mm -hmm. looked like a sword wasn't found in the chapel. It was found in Gerald Robinson's office. What? And that he had been interrogated and given two lie detector tests, which we know lie detector tests are bullshit. Yeah. But, but but you know, none of that was in the initial, (laughs) Oh, anything. And then he was never charged because they said they had insufficient evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeez. So weird. So a little bit about Mr. Gerald Robinson. He was a Toledo native. He was ordained in 1964. In 1974, he was assigned as Mercy Chaplain, officially becoming co-workers with Sister Margaret Ann. Um, and they hated each other. Sister Margaret Ann thought he was, like, no good, lazy, like, kind of an idiot, and she let everybody know. And (laughs) Gerald Robinson couldn't stand her criticism, which I'm like, I don't know if that's even called criticism. That's what they mean. But, um, and, like, like we were saying, I'm sure that there was sexism involved, too, because Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm the priest, you're a nun. Why, despite you, that you have way more experience, Mm -hmm. why do you think? You know, yeah. you can talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that yeah. was a big part of it. Oh, too. yeah, for sure. Um, so, but the investigators in 2003 were like doing the job that they should have been done in 1980, and they ended up exhuming Sister Margaret Ann's body. And they discovered that the letter opener, which they knew belonged to Robinson because it was found in his office, was, of course, consistent with the entry point stab wounds so they literally were saying it fit like a key uh like a key in a lock yeah um they also upon looking at sister margaret ann's body just realized that the stab wounds were in the shape of an an inverted cross so from her neck to her belly button and then across like what so not only was she literally stabbed to death under an altar sheet in a church, but it was in the shape of an upside down cross, which in 1980 in the Midwest was super associated with Satan and satanic worship. Wow. So and they couldn't get a fingerprint from her anointing blood mark on her head. No, because it's like smeared. It's not like somebody went like boop. But I think, you know? like, even if you... I mean, I'm just doing the motion on my head right now. <laughs> but, like, you would have... Unless you, like, really smeared it before taking your finger off. Maybe. I don't think I don't so. I think it's, like, too... It would be too viscous. even a partial print or something? Damn. Uh, apparently not. You know? Yeah. Based on all this new information coming out, on April 23rd, 2004, Gerald Robinson was arrested and charged with the murder. Mm. So, I'm like... 
they knew all this in 1980, but they called it like, sub, like not enough evidence. They called it circumstantial, yeah. which is kind of like, I, I get how you could argue that, but mm-hmm. mm, like not really. If it held up in 2003, 2004, why wouldn't it have held up then, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I, you know, researching this and it seems like in 1980, big surprise, the Catholic Church was hugely influential in Toledo and all five detectives who were investigating this homicide were Catholic. So... Yeah, Officer Dave Davison, who was one of the new officers in the early 2000s working on the case. Dave Davison, I'm just going to say that name again. um, (laughs) Said simply, like, they sat on it as a courtesy to the church. Wow. And it's like, I know, which is exactly what was happening with all these sexual abuse cases and why there's so much corruption in the Mm -hmm. Catholic Church. Because it's like misguided loyalty to the humans involved, but also picking and choosing like which humans to be loyal to like a priest outweighs a nun in this case you know yeah and but like as catholics were taught that like the church is made up of the humans and not it's not like the physical building which i think is like pretty much what people think or like you know i don't think that's unique to catholics but because of that the power of priests and then the whole like hierarchy of the pope and the power structure of the church are all they're all envoys of God, so, like, it's just super power-trippy areas that, like, us mere mortals can't even begin to fathom yeah. or argue with, Ugh. you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, in the same documents that sort of revealed all this other information about the physical murder, um, the Lucas County Prosecutor Chief of the Criminal Division... Dan Mandross said that when the detectives were questioning Robinson two weeks after the killing, so those interrogations that I had mentioned that yeah. nobody ever knew about, um, during in the second one, the deputy police chief at the time, Ray Vetter, a practicing Catholic, broke off the interview against all procedure and allowed a Monsignor, who's like a little bit of a higher level, usually yeah. in the bishop's office, um, to escort Robinson out of police headquarters. Like, the the deputy chief police was like, we're done here. You can go. What? <laughs> okay. Wow. What? what the hell? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where I'm like, what? At what point does, like... That but, makes me feel like you knew he did it. Like, everybody knew he did it. Mm-hmm. And are still choosing to protect him because of his relationship to the church and to God. But it's like the first fucking not amendment commandment is thou shall not kill. Yeah. And it's like for, okay, fine. If you want to, if they want to do whatever it, the, the problem in for me is like, they are hiding under this like umbrella of God or religion as Mm -hmm. if under God and religion, you can do anything that you want as long as you've you know repented or as long as you've Mm -hmm. confessed or whatever and it's just it it blows my mind that even in the police force or even in law enforcement that still is acceptable 
And it's like you can't pick and choose which people you want to grant that, you know, right. little bit of, you know, um, right. olive branch or whatever the hell you want to call it. You can't because there's many people that don't get that. Yeah, I could murder someone and be like, well, I already told God, like, I'm sorry. So we're good. You know, yeah. like that's not a thing. I remember being in Catholic school <laughs> and like having that thought being like, well. I could just do whatever I want to do and then go to confession and it's fine. And my teacher was literally like, no, you can't like knowingly Mm -hmm. choose to sin and be like, I'll just like, that's taking advantage. Yeah. You know, and that's not not how it works. Yeah. This is not a situation in where you're like, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right. I'm going to just do what I want. And then later on, I'm just going to, you know, right. atone for that, which is like, if that's like, how we are operating as a society, then, or no, not even a society, because this is, at this point, it's just like only certain people who are within mm-hmm. the church or, you know, in that religion or a priest or somebody higher up can, can actually make that judgment call. Right. So they're like under this like weird umbrella where it's like, okay, I was actually watching a law and, a law and order episode. Um, and you know, I watch law and order every, every day if I could, but the, it was literally, there was a, a church group of kids who came to New York to do like this field trip or whatever. And the one girl that was there, uh, she was meeting up with a friend that, like, Mm -hmm. left the church and moved to New York. But apparently they were, like, seeing each other maybe or flirty or whatever. And, like, clearly being gay in the church is not, you know, okay Mm -hmm. for some reason. So, like, the one of the boys that had a crush on her raped her because the priest told him that if it was like I forget what they called it but it was basically like almost like shock therapy in a way Mm -hmm. where like if in order to stop her from having these gay thoughts that she needed to have sex with a man in order to know that that's like um like what she really needs to be doing or whatever she needs to be with a man not a woman So, like, but they totally went to trial with this idea that he was acting out of his religion and that it was okay because he, he, God told him or that's Mm -hmm. the way that that's a religion for them that you are able to, I forget what the term they called it. And it was like such a dumb thing. It's, it's, it's kind of like the gay panic defense in a way Yeah, where it's just like you assign this stupid narrative to a crime because you're justifying it based on your religion. And and that's right. literally how... I mean, they didn't win, thank God. But, like, yeah. this girl did not need to be raped in order to, like, no. not be gay. And in this case, this woman didn't need to die for your religion or what you think yeah. is okay. It's just... It's just yeah, but it's, so it's literally, like why, like, why do you think that you are exempt from from Mm -hmm. the laws of the society that you live in. And I get not all laws are just, and sometimes laws need to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the system. The system is created to basically evolve in that way. Like, I mean, I know they don't evolve in in the speed in which they should, because we have a lot of laws that are just dumb Mm -hmm. at this point. But, you know, in in this case, it's like, okay, well, you know, I know you don't want to, but don't... I don't want to abide by those laws because it actually benefits me. Like, that's not okay. Right. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, and like how can how can some like mere mortals or like secular people argue when you literally are like God is on our side? So yeah, uh, no, no, dumb, all dumb, so yeah. dumb, and it's so frustrating. And they have so much power and money. Yeah. They like that's how they can continue to create such harm in communities beyond murder because I don't think murder is the thing that happens all the time so back (laughs) off our tangent now um Mandros also said that Vetter the police chief asked detectives working the case in the 19 in 1980 to give him their reports on the case and some of those reports were never seen again so that's why we don't know like a lot of the details because he destroyed them like Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah and yeah after that obviously like allegations of a cover-up came about but it kind of like you know didn't really do much yeah um because 23 years ago like everybody's retired or whatever Mm -hmm. um robinson went to trial on april 24th 2006 Jeffrey Grob, I think, G R O B, I don't know. All right. Um, was right. yeah. He was a Catholic priest who specialized in exorcism. Oh, real fun. I didn't Said know that was that, a specialty. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? all of those exorcism movies are like based on real things, and oh, like there's I've a whole branch. Oh, there's a whole branch of like the Catholic Church that's like, ugh, all about that. Yeah. No. I think I watched one of them like a a piece of it one time at like a slumber party. Um and I'm I was so terrified I made my mom come pick me up. And then I've yeah. never seen them again. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um but that was Jeffrey Grob's specialty. Oh god. Um and he said that sister Margaret Ann's killer was obviously intimate with re- religious ritual. He said, "Quote, the mode of murder was meant to denounce her faith." So it was like humiliation on top of humiliation for her which again speaks to that personal um relationship that you and i were talking about with the stabbing Mm -hmm. um and obviously gerald robinson this is like his number one enemy so that makes total sense yeah prosecutor dan mandros who i've been talking about um told the jury that robinson was a timid introvert who grew furious over the nuns nitpicking and the final straw was the morning in 1980 when sister margaret ann criticized robinson for cutting the mat mass short wow and i'm like Ugh. i'm a timid introvert maybe i'm not timid but yeah i guess i guess because in the courtroom he was really like playing up the like sweet little priest thing yeah which yeah. now I'm like, there's no such thing as a sweet little priest, but no. whatever. <laughs> um, so maybe he had to be like, this is an act. This is not like real. And yeah. crime of passion snapped. Like, I don't think anybody's denying Sister Margaret Ann's, you know, personality. Yeah. But and just because you didn't like her. Not a fucking reason to kill someone. <laughs> exactly. She could have been the worst person in the world. And yeah. it's still not an excuse to kill her. I'm like, like, if you have this much backing from the Catholic Church after you murder someone, how about you just try to get them moved? Or you move. Mm, yeah. You know, j- just get a different placement. Yeah. Say and that. And it's like, how many times, if I murdered every person that pissed me off on a daily basis, <laughs> like, come on. Please. 
just oh god just absolutely oh like, yeah ridiculous so robinson was found guilty on may 11th 2006 and was Good. sentenced to 15 years That's to it? life in prison oh right well 15 what? years to life but okay. like huh but that means okay okay yeah not enough and this was I in what year? Like 2003? 2006. Oh, two, so it was arrest. Yeah. <laughs> oh it took God. three years for it to happen. Of course. I know. Ooh. I Wild. cannot believe a crime. So, I'm like. I'm like, and I'm like, how does that, how does that time, that like baseline of the time get landed on, right? Is it like, because she's like an old woman and like didn't have like kids of her own or something but it's like or is it about that it's literally a priest who in theory could go back to being a priest in the community like because if yeah. that's what we're we're going on yeah he should sh- be should no never. possibility of parole yeah you know just um, wild yeah that's crazy 15 yeah. years i know and he already spent three of it in from the trial. Yeah. <laughs> like time served. Well, what the hell? Yeah. So um, for what it's worth, which to me is not that much, after his arrest in two thousand three, the Toledo Diocese banned Robinson from performing any priestly duties and refused to pay for his legal fees. Good. But he had a following. Ugh. Uh and they tried to raise money to pay for his bail but i don't think they raised enough okay. to get him out but they like the community paid for his legal fees which is like ridiculous oh, what come yeah. on so and then insult even more insult to injury in 2014 after eight years no he died oh 76 well I'm glad he... You thought he was going to be out? I thought you were going to say that, like, he got out on parole for good behavior or overcrowding oh, no. or some shit. Like, fuck that. No, but he didn't even serve the minimum Mi- because yeah. he got out of it because he died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> rude. He got out of it because he died. I mean, <laughs> what an easy but, way out. He just <laughs> easy died. Easy way out. But, no, it, it, it's like, come on. It is. It is. You know him, what? I'm glad... Like, what was his, like, what, why did he die? Was it, like, natural causes? He had causes? a heart attack, and then he was on hospice for a month. All right. Well, heart attacks are painful, so I guess yeah. that's a plus. Um, I would be very upset if it was something like he died by suicide or, you no, know, it wasn't. something like that. Because that's to me, is like, okay, you that's just... cheating. You cheated. Yeah. 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 Well, he never gave up, like, his faith or anything and he Mm. like he said he felt like he this is also really annoying he said he felt like prison was where he was supposed to be to help shepherd the souls in oh good god seriously fucking dick (laughs) exactly (laughs) are you kidding me no so and i'm sorry but you're the last person that i'd be seeking any sort of guidance from in prison like come on now Please get over yourself. Yeah. So he died at age 76, which is five years older than sister Margaret Ann was when she died, which then I was like, so at 2014 and he did this in 1980 and he was, let me see. I'm going to do math really quick. 
not okay. in my head, but on a calculator. So it was 34 years ago, so 76. Mm-hmm. Somebody is screaming at me as they're listening. Yeah, right. He was 42 when he murdered her. Wow. Which is like... And it's like, I call bullshit that this was his first murder at 42. Well, Uh-oh. put a pin in that. Okay. Not, don't get your hopes up, but... Oh, all right. Um, just, I'm going to speculate. Um, okay. So... Oh, yeah, but throughout his time in prison, he always uh, made, he made, uh, like, appeals to get his case overturned and maintained his innocence. So he never, like, admitted anything, which is kind of like, mm. if you believe in, yeah, then, in, if like, you believe in forgiveness. That, yeah, and you believe then, that, you, you know, you have to atone and do all that shit for right. your sins, and he went straight to hell. Right, exactly. Um, um, uh, so... But the thing that kind of, like, is kind of, like, stuck with me is that there was no good answer for the satanic imagery, right? Mm-hmm. And I, like, in Toledo in the 80s, there was, like, so much satanic panic going on. And, like, you know, literally, like, there was something called the Toledo Dig where, like, neighbors was like, there's weird teenagers doing something. And I think all these missing girls, which were, like, who are who's yeah. missing? Who are you talking about? They're like, I think they're in the woods or in the backyard. I'm, I'm getting this, this stuff wrong because I, like, very briefly read about this a few months ago. Yeah. But basically, the police went in and, like, dug up all whoever they're, like, the neighbors were afraid of. And all they found was, like, literally a doll that was, like, nailed to a piece of wood. And it was, like, a little bit creepy. Hmm. But also something I would have done when I was 13, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, Like, there's no ritual sacrifice of children like Mm. people just literally were going so bonkers cuckoo for yeah any of this stuff Mm -hmm. so that was like in the middle like as that was going on so i was like maybe he robinson was just trying to like shift blame and making it look like Mm -hmm. it was from somebody of the satanic panic vibe or whatever like some satanist broke in and stabbed her or something yeah um but also this is more you know speculation well not really but Uh um so toledo does have a very rich sort of metaphysical community um Mm -hmm. that i was sort of researching when i was there as well and um there were a few practicing covens that were established in like the 60s um which, if you don't know, they're, like, covens in the modern day are just, like, their own little branches yeah. of the Church of Wicca, usually, mm-hmm. um, that are practiced, like, sort of, like, pagan witchcraft, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and the rumor was, so, emphasis on rumor, but mm-hmm. uh, that Robinson was part of one of those covens, I didn't, like, couldn't find out like which one or like what they believed in or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and that the sister Margaret Ann's murder was either his initiation or some sort of ritual sacrifice or something like that. Okay. And now I would normally be inclined to be like, he was just trying to shift blame. Like, yeah, you know, the chances of this being some like bigger Da Vinci code kind of thing mm-hmm. is so low, whatever. Yeah. But the thing that makes me wonder is um, 
the description of the sexual abuse allegations from the woman that came forward in 2003. Oh, yeah. She she said, and I'm not going to get into, like, insane amount of detail, but um, she, the survivor, the woman who, she went by Survivor Doe. Mm -hmm. um, uh, This is a direct quote from... The Atlantic article that if you want all our sources and everything, um, check them out on our Instagram at on their behalf underscore pod. Um, <laughs> you so said that so commercial like that was great. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm working on my commercial voice. Um, she said the or the lawsuit included descriptions of satanic abuse during Survivor Doe's childhood. She contended that Robinson and others wore nuns outfit when they cut her with a knife as a sacrifice to Satan, drew an upside-down cross on her abdomen, which oh. is exactly yeah. the stab markings for, of Sister Anne, Sister Margaret Anne, yeah. um, and forced her to drink the blood of sacrificed animals, such as a rabbit. The lawsuit contended that Survivor Doe was raped, molested, and forced to perform sexual acts on the perpetrators during the Satanic cult section sessions, which she said took place in the basement of St. Adelbert Catholic Church until 1972, which would have been two years before Gerald went to the hospital where Sister Margaret Ann worked, mm-hmm. um, and later at an undisclosed wooded area. The suit said Robinson and others, quote, had a close relationship with Survivor Stowe's mother, who also participated in the ceremonies in the woods and was becoming a high priestess of Satan. Wow. So... You know I love my witchy stuff, right? Yeah. Like, um, none of that is no. okay. And the fact that they came forward with an actual lawsuit means that there was some heft behind it because yeah. people don't take on cases that they can't win. Yeah. You know? Um, the other thing that makes me kind of feel like maybe about it is that it was her mom that brought her into it, which is horrible and how can like unfathomable, but oftentimes with these like child sex abuse cases, the parents are involved because they Mm -hmm. get something. They like peddle the child for something or other. And like, it's just, it's, it's just awful and horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, in Toledo, I met someone who was part of, one of the covens who said she was like fifth generation. So that, I mean, not that that is evidence, but it makes this sound less out of the Mm -hmm. ordinary. Yeah. Um, so I just like, Oh God, it just makes me sick. Yeah. Um, but like the other thing is that there is so much mysticism in Catholicism and like we were talking about the exorcist branch and everything which is like it seems really like out there and like far-fetched to us but like for a priest who believes in the the exorcism branches believes in the yeah. demons um, like to believe in like the bright light shiny mysticism of Catholicism means you believe in the dark side of it too yeah um so like the rituals and like the mat it's all related to each other so Mm -hmm. like the bible talks about god and lucifer and yeah i think for 
you know, maybe priests in the 80s. I don't know about now. But if you believe in one, you believe in the other. So yeah. it, it wouldn't surprise me that people of, like, like men of the cloth or whatever yeah. would believe and participate in rituals and stuff uh, yeah, and on the other side of it. Yeah, and take it into their own hands. I mean, at right. this point, they're, like, you have to you have to look at it as in like it's you the the demon possessed person or whoever you mm-hmm. want to call aunt, you and god like yeah. there's three 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 people or you know there's three of you in that room and two of you are on the on the side of mm-hmm. like doing whatever it is to relieve that person of or relieve that person from your life or relieve that person from the demons they have. So if you have Mm -hmm. that mentality, of course, you're going to try to take it into your own hands and your, the religion or, or whatever, um, like whatever you've been taught, the teachings you've been, you've been listening to your whole life Mm -hmm. and all of that is very hard to, not use as an excuse. I know excuse is kind of the wrong word too, but like use that as a reason or the motivation to mm-hmm. act out these crazy things and think it's okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um and his like never admitting to it also I feel like the maybe the one of the reasons that like he wouldn't admit to it because then he's he would have to admit that it was wrong and yeah. he still doesn't believe that it's wrong yep yeah so it's that was like literally the next thing i was gonna really say. oh my god <laughs> uh, we yeah. gotta really stop doing that cause i we know text we've each been other. really psychic with each other lately. oh it's so weird it was so weird yeah but, uh, yeah, I think that that, like, and honestly, he wouldn't have gotten out on parole anyway if he never admitted no. to doing it, um, admitting to c- committing the crime. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he would have rotted in there anyway. Yeah. So, just, just wild. And I don't want to, like, perpetuate, like, that Satanism is rampant and all priests mm. are satanists and whatever it's so not true it's just like it's not true it's it's the same thing as like not all cops are bad and not all black people are trying to rob and kill you you know like that's just like we have there are bad people there are bad seeds there are people who have these you know crazy idealistic views on the world and their place in the world and Mm -hmm. your place in the world and it's like we have to realize that it's a very complex thing and nothing's black and white and at the end of the day you're gonna you're going to have in you know encounters with priests that are not great and priests that are the best and you're gonna have you know those different um encounters for the rest of your life right and all the priests and nuns that i personally know Mm -hmm. are wonderful i will say that i think that this is this like Catholic church phenomenon that we're talking about is closer to the cops than yeah like you know the general racism against black mm-hmm. people because oh, for sure. For it's sure. the it's these institutions that are protecting their own mm-hmm. and placing those needs and like whatever fear of lawsuits or whatever over yeah. the needs of the communities that they claim mm-hmm. to serve yeah 
And I think that's Definitely. a really good parallel, actually. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, maybe an individual priest isn't individually a bad person. Maybe an individual cop isn't individually a bad person, but they are still participating in yeah. these systems that have hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and not yeah. to say that they're not trying to change it or anything, but like, no, but it's also really like hard to steal a steer a, sh- a really old shanky yeah. ship. Yeah, and it's very like you know, it's systematically an issue. And if Mm -hmm. you're not standing up, you can still support a institution that is, that, that their whole point is to protect and serve our community, but not support the the system itself. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like you, you, like you can support the troops, you can support police officers, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to support the fact that this system is broken and that it needs to be fixed. Like you can, you can contribute in that way without having to condemn the whole thing. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm a little weighing more on like, I know that the system, the best way to tear down to like change a system is to tear it down and rebuild it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's where we are in, in, you know, our law enforcement and our justice system. Like, I think there has to be, like an an actual infrastructure change in order mm-hmm. for it to actually do what it's supposed to be done. It's so corrupt at this point that there's vi- there's there's merely a semblance of like protect and serve at this right. point. And yeah. I mean that's where I and stand. Even that's like, my personal views. But sure. like clearly I'm, everybody's different and feels differently. Right. So yeah, and I'm I like even the cops in this case in the '80s proved mm-hmm. to be corrupt in like a different way than you and I are even talking about where their yeah. loyalty is to yeah the church rather yeah. than to the community mm-hmm. which maybe to them is like one and the same but yeah. it's not really no but it's also like kind of what I touched on with sister Margaret Ann being maybe being upset about the mass cut short is that you know in Catholicism you can't get communion which is one of like the cornerstones of the faith and like practices you can't get it on your own you have Mm -hmm. to go to a priest you have to go to Mm -hmm. mass so it's really this institution that is still the entry point to being able to like have eternal life which is ultimately like the ultimate thing in christianity right and like Mm -hmm. in other denominations you like you any any church like anywhere it can be a church right like mm-hmm. anybody preaching you can do your own bible study you can you can ha- kind of have more control and autonomy of it but in the catholic church it's really like you can do a bit yeah but you can't you can't receive the sacraments without mm-hmm. the priest and like so it all has to funnel through these men and these yeah. men are abusing mm-hmm. people Their power. And protecting <laughs> protecting each other yeah. instead of protecting everybody yeah. else so like yeah and that's how what i are feel we like to do and yeah definitely and like in this situation like i understand the loyalty that maybe the officers um pertaining to this case might have had to the church but that's where i think their priorities aren't aligned mm-hmm. your your priority is to find out what happened to um to this sister person to Margaret sister Anne. Margaret because Anne, she is part of the church she is yeah like she's a part of the church and i get like your support for the church itself but like your your goal as a police officer is to investigate the crime and the crime Mm -hmm. here has been 
like is not on the church <laughs> you know right. what i mean like it's on this one person who didn't deserve what she got you know right so it's like and i think yeah. that they they did until they realized that it gerald robinson yeah and then they were like well we have to protect him more than we have to solve, to solve her, her crime murder. yeah her murder yeah which is just like oh which is God. like no 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 just no. yeah <sighs> it's exhausting and it's Very just exhausting. like and to like for me you know going to an all-girls catholic school where they like you know they they were pretty good about like feminism and everything mm-hmm. like that but it's like it's still like the and our school is run by a convent called the sisters of st louis and like they were in charge of the school they had all the power and everything but we still had to invite an outside priest to come for when we had mass at school and it we still had to invite a priest and it was just like immediately like when a priest came in like you i just realized like these women are still subservient to men even though they're the closest to Mm getting outside of this like patriarchal like nuclear family system that kept other women oppressed like these women throughout history nuns were the ones who were allowed to be educated and Mm -hmm. not have to get married like i bet a lot of gay women in the middle ages became nuns if it was you know open to them because then they don't aren't forced to get married Mm -hmm. um people that wanted an education people that wanted to be respected but not have to like live the on the singular path available to women but then Mm -hmm. immediately whenever you need a priest it all goes out the window yeah yeah i mean such a tricky tough yeah like a whole like it's so mud like muddy like because i don't want to be like it's not worth it or like they're mm -hmm. they're idiots or that's not at all what i'm saying yeah it's just and maybe maybe what i'm arguing is like why women should be allowed to be priests as well yeah you know yeah i agree for sure yeah that would maybe yeah. solve something I don't yeah know. i think it would solve <laughs> a lot to have more women yeah. in uh higher positions for sure but yeah across the board in all industries the, in all industries yes <laughs> and faiths yes okay that's the theme yeah. for this episode done <laughs> <laughs> We support You women. heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. We support women we solved in higher. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. So that was the Toledo nun murder. And even though sister Margaret Ann was viewed as like crotchety and mean, mm-hmm. she was an old lady. What are you gonna do? You know? Um you know back to what we were saying is like was she mean or was she getting shit done was she bossy yeah. or was she a boss like yeah were people unprepared to deal with some a woman who wasn't unafraid of authority um and why does unlikable being unlikable make somebody a target for murder because that's not real that's not a thing that should be anything yeah. um and when for the love of god is the Catholic Church going to be held accountable for its complicity in all of these crimes? I don't have an answer. Thank you.
This week's episode was written by me, Devin Balsamo-Gillis, edited by Devin Balsamo-Gillis, with music by Holly Amber Church. Social media by Kelsey Grunberg. For all of our pictures and sources, check us out on Instagram at OnTheirBehalf underscore pod and on Twitter at OnTheirBehalf underscore. On their behalf, thank you for listening.